Hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of The Discussion Point. I hope you are keeping safe and well. Joining me today is Leila McNeely, who is the Lifestyle Coordinator for the 150 Club Exercise Referral Programme, which is aimed at reducing the number of people in Newham developing type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. She has also worked in the fitness industry for the past 25 years, initially as an exercise instructor, teaching group exercise classes and some personal training, then specialised in GP referral. Leila, please can you weigh in on the effect of exercise on mental health, diabetes and cardiovascular disease? Sure. Hi. So nice to be here, Yajesh. And um, I should have mentioned as well, the 150, I work actually for West Ham United Foundation. Uh, so we're the ones that actually run the 150 Club programme. And um, yeah, well, exercise is really important in helping to alleviate all of those things you just mentioned, like diabetes, mental health issues and what was the other thing you mentioned cardiovascular disease cardiovascular health yeah so our program was initially set up to um actually you know end at reducing the number of people developing diabetes and to try and reduce the risk of uh, heart disease as well or cardiovascular disease um so you know the program's a 12-week program where it's all about trying to get people active they're referred by their gp um although now they can self-refer to the program um and it's a once a week free exercise program where people that maybe haven't done any exercise before would get referred to this program um, and then be given one a one-hour exercise session once a week so we start people off slowly and the aim is to then for them to then build up to um, the recommended amount of exercise is 150 minutes a week. That's where our name, uh, the 150 Club, comes from yeah. um, because it's around the government guidance that we should all be doing 150 minutes of what we call moderate intensity exercise every week. Mm-hmm. So that's aimed at adults. Um, I recognise your target audience might be younger. Is yes. that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So the kind of guidelines around uh, younger people and exercise is more like an hour a day. So 60 minutes, seven days a week as a, as a kind of, you know, guideline. Um, and we talk about it being moderate intensity. Mm-hmm. So what that means is um, it needs to increase the heart rate and cause people to breathe a little bit heavier as well. And we know that that's the type of exercise that, well, I should say, that's the minimum intensity we need to be working at to, in order to get those health benefits, like, you know, stronger heart, reduced blood pressure, reduced cholesterol levels, um, blood glucose control um, and all of those things collectively will then reduce people's risk of developing diabetes and heart disease. Okay. Um, and then obviously with the mental health side of that, you know, that's the other benefits of exercise are that we know that there's a lot of evidence to show it can help with mental health. So things like, you know, reducing depression, in, in increasing people's confidence, self-esteem. Um, we know that when you exercise, I don't know if you've heard of endorphins. Endorphins are these, you know, the body's um, natural feel-good chemicals in a way. I call them the body's natural antidepressants. So we know that after a good session of exercise, those chemicals are released in our brain and they, you know, they're painkillers, they cause us to feel good. So, um, you know, that's another way that exercise can can help with mental health issues as well. Um, Obviously, I realise mental health issues are bigger than just, you know, 
it doesn't necessarily change people's situations, but it can help people deal better with stress, handle things a lot better. We know that if we're feeling fit and healthy, um, then we're able to focus and concentrate better and, and, and just things seem a little bit more manageable, I think. Okay, um, thanks for that. Could you please share your thoughts on exercise in general? Yes, yeah, so, well, I, I think exercise is something that we should all be doing regardless of, you know, our, our ability, our level, we can all do something. Um, and I think it's about finding what works for you, mm-hmm. um, whether that's, you know, I mean, it's on our program, we do we cater for all levels and um, we can offer things like chair-based exercise for people with joint problems, for example, or something a bit more intense like a group cycling class. Um, swimming, kickboxing, you know, various different things. So I think it's, it's about finding something that you enjoy. But I really believe that like, exercise shouldn't feel like a chore, <laughs> you know, something that you yeah, have yeah. to do because otherwise, you, it, I don't know, you'll just find any excuse not to do it. Yeah, people, <laughs> it people like a chore. So it's about finding something you enjoy that you feel like excited in a way to go and do. And I think when you feel the benefits of that, then that in itself motivates you and is an incentive to continue, really. Okay. And uh, what happens if, say, one does not want to exercise? Like, what effect does it have on their mental health, uh, on their, as you've said before, self-esteem, on their confidence? And so... So, yeah, yeah, do you mean, like, if people's motivation is quite low for exercising? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do come across that a lot. People just really don't, you know, they're not in the, that frame of mind to do it. I mean, if someone has ever exercised, I try to get them to think about how they feel at the end of their session mm-hmm. because I've never had anyone say to me, oh, I felt awful after the exercise class. I wish I'd never done it. I've never had that. I always have people feeling better after exercise whether that's, you know, feeling a bit more energized, feeling a bit more positive. They're just glad that they've done something and achieved something. So I try to get them to think of that and remember that feeling in order to help motivate them onto their next workout. If someone's never exercised before and doesn't have that experience, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe getting them to exercise with a friend um, or in a group uh, or finding an activity that maybe they've always wanted to do, but never, you know, never had a chance to do. It's got to be something that draws them, hasn't it? You know, something that they think, oh yeah, I'd really like to have a go at that. So I know like personally for myself, when I'm teaching a class, I I like to try and make it fun, Um, you know, so that, and, and also I find if you teach routines to people, they tend to focus on that. So they're not thinking so much about, oh, I'm, I'm exercising now, they think, oh, what's that next move? And then they feel another sense of achievement that, oh, actually, I got that, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think that's where things like dance classes can be really good um, because, you know, you're focusing on the steps, on a routine. Um, and I think having other people around makes people realise or recognise that they're not alone and other people will also maybe have those days where they feel like, mm, I don't really feel like doing this. But we know that if we don't do it, and we're already feeling quite low, then not doing it doesn't improve that, the mental health. Yeah. But having a go can. Yeah. And it's fine to kind of like have have that support if you need to go and do a class with a friend or 
family member or something like that, you know, just whatever gets you up and doing something, I think is, is good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so um, what types of exercise are the best for cardiovascular health and why are they the best? Um, okay, so when we're talking about cardiovascular um, exercise, we, we it's called cardiovascular or aerobic exercise. So that's generally any activity that uses the big muscle groups. So, for example, the l- large muscle groups in your legs. Um, so thinking of things like walking, running, skipping, um, cycling. Did I say swimming? Swimming, dancing, kickboxing. Anything that raises your heart rate and gets you breathing a little bit heavier is, is exercising your cardiovascular system, basically. Mm-hmm. Some people will prefer one type over the other, but to be honest, it doesn't really matter so long as you, you're enjoying that particular kind of exercise. Um, I think things like swimming um, are really a good all-round body exercise because you're using all the muscle groups in your body, plus that is um, a safe option as well, especially if people have got joint issues Mm. Or your back problems, anything like that, because it's a no impact kind of exercise. Um, but you know, really, it, it's hard to say what what is best because I think it, it comes down to personal preference. Some people really like swimming, some people don't. And for me, for example, I always said if I had my own pool, <laughs> then I would swim every day <laughs> and get better. But I'm not very good at swimming, so I tend not to go swimming. Yeah. Um, so I think it's down to what you like. You know, if you like cycling and you've got a bike, then get out cycling every day that's a great great way to not just exercise but to you know actively transport yourself places as well yeah yeah um, does, does that answer yes it does thank you yeah and <laughs> if a diabetic is older is it harder for them to exercise um so there's two things there if someone's diabetic um, the most important thing for them in, in exercising is to ensure that their diabetes is controlled, is stable and well controlled, and then it is safe for them to exercise. Um, and indeed, you know, someone with diabetes does need to be active and exercising to keep sugar levels stable and under control. Yeah. Um, as we get older, of course, some things will get more difficult, you know. Um, as we age, there are physiological changes that happen in our body, for example our energy levels might not be as as, um, high as they used to be. Um, Our muscles and our joints might not be as strong and supple as they were. So it may be harder and it may take longer to get to a fitness, you know, to achieve a particular level of fitness, but it's definitely not impossible. And and I always think age should not be a barrier to exercise. You know, some people might think, oh, I'm too old to go to a gym or I'm too old to do this. No, you know, our bodies are designed to move. So I think the longer we can keep them moving, the more we can offset some of those natural physiological changes that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of natural, if, if I say natural, but that degeneration that happens as we get older can be offset if we keep our bodies fit and strong. So I think, you know, age shouldn't be a barrier. And also, if you have a long-term medical condition like diabetes, need not be a barrier either. I think the important thing is to... Um, if in any doubt, always check with your GP that you're safe to exercise. That would be the first step. And then start slowly, build up gradually. Yeah, That's the thing to do, really. And, and ensure that, you know, you take advice that you're doing the safe kind of exercise. Because, you know, I wouldn't recommend someone who's diabetic 
and older and maybe never exercised before, I wouldn't suggest they go in and do like a high intensity interval training class, for example. Yeah. You know, they could just start off with gradual uh, brisk walking, gradually building up the pace and the speed. So it's about the type of exercise really that, that they do. And would having animals like dogs and um, other athletic animals help them even more to do the exercise? Well, that would be great, wouldn't it? Because you have to take your dog out for a walk every day, yeah. at least twice a day, I think. Um, then, yeah, because because they would have to do that. There would be no excuse. So it would be a great way for someone who's completely new to exercise or even maybe a little bit fearful of exercise just to start to get out walking a dog. Yeah, it can be a great, great way of um, getting people more active, definitely. Okay, thank you. And while we are on diabetes, diabetes.org.uk has reported that there is a rise in diabetes rate across London. And the 2019 figures show that there are 3.8 million people living with a diagnosis of diabetes in the UK, 90% of which is type 2. Could you please comment on that? It's not a surprise yet, Jess. Um, I mean, that's one reason that our programme was um, uh, commissioned um, six years ago by the CCG and the London Borough of Newham. Um, it was commissioned in response to the rising rising trend in diabetes. Um, I mean, that's probably adult figures you're looking at there. We know that, you know, things like a, a third of teenagers, I think, in, in the UK are now classed as obese or overweight, yeah. which we know can be a risk factor for then developing diabetes. Yeah. So, yeah, those figures are not a, a, not a surprise at all. And, you know, in Newham, the figures are particularly high. So <laughs> out of all, what you've mentioned there, Newham would probably have one of the highest rates of people developing type 2 diabetes. And the sad thing is really is that it is preventable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's lifestyle a... changes can make a massive difference so that's down to you know diet eating a healthier diet becoming more active could reduce those numbers yeah. really could yeah. um, we take people on our program that are classed as pre-diabetic so we're trying to get people before they become you know before they tip over into that diabetic diagnosis because we know that if we can prevent it then it's much better it yeah. costs you know the nhs i can't even remember the figure but you know a lot <laughs> millions you know in, yeah. in kind of healthcare. so if we can get to you know get to people before they develop it then it's going to save in, in, in many ways and even though somebody might be diabetic there's still lots they can do to manage it and there have been instances where people have reversed their diabetes you know through kind of strict kind of nutritional intervention and um, activity levels so yeah it's something we all need to be aware of and it, it should propel us all into, you know, being more active and, and thinking about our health a lot more, being more aware, you know, of yes. the choices we make. And uh, how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted people's ability to exercise? Well, that's a big one, isn't it? The <laughs> pandemic has impacted us all in many different ways, um, you know, from purely the practical ways of venues being closed during lockdown, so people not being able to get to gyms or sports clubs or community centres to do their exercise, uh, it's probably had a big effect, um, you know, and meant that a lot of people's activity levels have declined. I think a positive thing out of the pandemic has, is that it has 
heighten that awareness around the importance of health. We know that if we're fit and healthy, we're less likely to get severe um, COVID mm-hmm. and yeah. probably more likely to recover um, better and more fully from that. Um, so if anything, it's definitely you know highlighted that, that need to exercise and to make healthy choices. Um, I think also it's caused many of us to become a bit more creative and resourceful in how we exercise. So where gyms and leisure centers have have closed, we've had to rethink things a little bit. Many people have gone online. I know when when the first lockdown happened, we started putting, uh, well, we created a Facebook page and we put workouts on that every week. Uh, We created a newsletter that we send out with exercises in so that people that maybe don't have access to internet um, or, or, you know, those kind of de- devices to access it. Um, we sent out a printed version for them. Um, a lot of people have discovered YouTube workouts. Yeah, um, yeah. And when I first started looking at that, there's so many workouts, you know, on YouTube, different types. Um, obviously, we know Joe Wicks and his PE classes <laughs> over that first um, lockdown. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it, I think it's just made us rethink things a little bit. I think also with the government guidance around that one hour of exercise, you remember in the first lockdown, we were allowed mm-hmm. to go out for one hour of exercise, probably encouraged a lot of people, a lot more people to go out walking or running or buy bikes, for example, that they, yeah, may, yeah, wouldn't have, they might not have done that otherwise, mm-hmm. but being at home forced us to kind of think differently. Um, we also started doing a lot of live Zoom workouts as well. Uh, to try and keep our members engaged and, and, and still kind of active during the whole lockdown periods. Um, it's been difficult for some people because being at home, working from home, maybe homeschooling, uh, you know, all that kind of thing has, has made it difficult for people to have the time to. But um, I think, you know, on a positive, it, it's made us rethink how we exercise and maybe not be so reliant on other venues and think about yeah. what we can do ourselves. Mm. And I really hope that that will kind of stick. Uh, there are some people that do need to go to venues. They want that social interaction yeah. um, and things are starting to open up now, which is good. But I just hope that it's really that, that, that heightened awareness of the importance of health. I just really hope that that sticks with people and mm. that we don't forget it as things slowly go back to normal. Yeah. And uh, today's Metro, the 2nd of June's Metro, has said that more men care about heartbreaks than they do about heart disease. And so (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed when I read that. Uh, Please, could you uh, weigh in as to why that is quite worrying? (laughs) Well, I haven't seen that today, to be honest. Um, So they're saying they care more about heartbreaks than heart disease. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I guess sometimes, I don't know, I think sometimes when people think about diseases, if they're not currently experiencing it, there can sometimes be that attitude of, oh, it's not going to happen to me, you know? Um, And I think we can all think that, which is why we don't always change our lifestyles. It's only when that the health um, risk becomes a reality. Like, for example, someone's diagnosed with prediabetes. 
Like I see a lot of people like that and that's a wake up call for a lot of people. So getting that figure, that blood test that shows they're pre-diabetic in black and white, then that can motivate them to do something. But maybe for a lot of people until they kind of have that news from their doctor saying, oh, your cholesterol's really high or your blood pressure's really high um, or you've developed angina or whatever it might be. Until that happens, people maybe don't always take things as seriously as as maybe they should. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That would be my thing. Heartbreak is a more um, immediate thing. So if they're going through a breakup, they're feeling that right now. And it's sometimes we have to be in something to actually um, take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was, it was a pretty weird statement on the Metro. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Have a lot of men maybe experience breakups through the, through the the um, because of the pandemic or... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it didn't say that, but it just said more men experience, uh, worried about heartbreaks than they did about um, mm. cardiovascular disease. And please, can you comment on this long debated question? How much exercise is too much? Okay, how much exercise is too much? Um, well, it depends where you're coming from. If you're coming from never do not having done any exercise at all, Mm. then even the recommended guidelines of 150 minutes might be too much for some people, you know? So it really does depend where you're coming from. Um, There are some um, signs and symptoms that are associated with people over-exercising. So I would say if they're experiencing any of those symptoms, then that would be a a kind of warning sign to say, maybe you're exercising a bit too much or overtraining. So those kind of symptoms would be things like um, being prone to injuries, you know, noticing that you're pulling a muscle every time you work out um, or that you're catching colds and infections quite easily. Um, You're not sleeping very well. Um, Maybe you're not performing um, Mm -hmm. as well as you normally would. Um, you're feeling a bit irritable, you know, feeling a bit down, a bit run down. So those are some of the symptoms that could indicate you're exercising too much. So, you know, it's different, isn't it? If someone's training for a competition, I don't know, let's say they're playing football, you know, and they've got a match coming up, they're going to be doing way more exercise than someone who's who's just recreationally exercising. So it really does depend on that person's level, where they're currently at. I would say generally just watch out for some of those symptoms, you know, if you feel like you're not recovering very well the next day and you're feeling really tired and you haven't got the energy to go and do your workout the next day, then it might be, are you working too hard? Are you working too long? You know, doing too long a period in one go. Yeah. I think generally if you stick to building up to those guidelines that we mentioned, whether that's 150 minutes a week for adults or an hour a day for younger people, then you should be in the right kind of, um, what, should, what, what can I say? You should be in the right area for not exercising too much, but just doing the right amount. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. And uh, what is your key take-home message for the audience today? Um, well, there's two things I would say. Um, one is that whatever you do, you need to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. You know, um, making it as part of making it a part of your routine um, as much as, say, brushing your teeth in the morning 
it's part of your routine. Yeah. I think that is how we should view exercise. It should become a habit, something that we just do naturally. Um, that would be, you know, weave it into your week, your day somehow. Um, that would be like part one. Um, and, and, and the second part would be, I think I mentioned it earlier, but think about how you feel, how you feel after a good workout. And that for you, and let that be your motivation to for you to continue. Yeah, because it needs to be part of our routines, really. You know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And make sure it's fun and you enjoy it. You know, that's the that's another really important thing. Yeah, exercise definitely must be enjoyed, and um, because it does good for you. And if you don't enjoy it, then there's no point of doing it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to keep at it. Mm. You're going to find a reason not to do it if you don't enjoy it. <laughs> so yeah. really important to find something you, you enjoy, whether that's, I don't know, joining a dance group, um, joining a football team, cycling, swimming, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. yeah. Make sure it's fun. Okay. Thank you, Leila, for today's wonderful insight on the effect of exercise on mental health, diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the discussion point today. I hope you all are well and keeping safe. That is me signing out. Goodbye.